Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. We start off the 20 where Kylo welcomes Rey aboard Starkiller Base. Uh, they kind of insult each other a little bit. Kylo takes <laughs> off his mask to reveal his boyish face uh, and then starts to read Ray's mind, taunts her a bit, and then Ray kind of slaps back by reading his mind and basically saying, you're just afraid that you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader, which scares the shit out of him. So he goes and runs and tells Snoke she has the Force and then Snoke says, bring her to me. Of course, what he wants is the piece of that... Uh that puzzle to, to to the map to help to find Luke Skywalker. And that's why he took Ray instead of BB-8. I don't need yes. BB-8. I've got Ray now. And he thinks, of course, he can read Ray's mind like he reads everyone else's mind. And he's unsuccessful in that. And what the great reveal is, is that she is extremely strong with the Force. And that's why Snoke wants to, wants to see her. Meanwhile, back with our Resistance friends, they're plotting not only how they can get Ray back, but how they can take on uh, Starkiller Base, which they've determined is about to attack the system, the very system in which they are in that moment, and they need to stop this thing, like, ASAP. Yes. Meanwhile, back on Starkiller Base, uh, right before Kylo is able to go and summon uh, Rey, uh, Rey actually uses uh, forced mind trick and convinces force persuasion and actually convinces the stormtrooper regarding her to uh release her restraints and drop his weapon ultimately allowing her to escape and explore star killer base uh, finn han and chewie go after ray and to take down the shields guarding star killer base uh, they are successful in arriving on star killer base they break in uh, they basically steal phasma within like five seconds yeah. and get her to take down the shield couldn't be easier it was extremely easy and then they are con then they conveniently bump into ray amongst the thousand kilometer um many th <laughs> projects just as poe is leading his x-wing squadron into the fray where they start bombing the place lighting it up to use his terminology and i think that's the end of the 20 right um yep i think so it was pretty rich. I, I want to talk about the force persuasion pretty much more than anything. Yeah, sure. Because I think it's, I mean, her first uh, confrontation with Kylo Ren is obviously compelling. We can talk about that too. But the, the persuasion is so interesting and so rife with curiosity. And I think my biggest issue with it now is that I have a hard time watching it um, with just like purity because I'm so distracted by the fact that it's 007. Yes. I'll tighten those restraints. Scavengers, scum. I will remove these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. And I'll drop my weapon. It's it's like a really, really important scene. And it's okay that this famous person got to do a cameo in kind of a significant part mm -hmm. of, of Star Wars. And this is probably one of the better known Easter egg cameos of a, of a famous Definitely. person in a Star Wars movie. Daniel Craig is that stormtrooper who Ray uses force persuasion on. Uh, but it's JB007? Right, JB, okay. Not actually, it's FN... Like 1824, I think. Is that what people said it should have been? Yes, of course. Yeah, that would have been kind of funny. Um, it's a it's a big come to Jesus moment for Ray, and it's kind of clouded. It's kind of overshadowed by this like quirky entertainment news thing. Yeah, I definitely like the first time I watched it. It was a much more powerful scene than any other time. You didn't know because you didn't know, and then I I knew after the very first time. I knew going into the very second viewing of it 
And so, uh, yeah, that scene, you're right, has lost definitely a little bit of the dramatic element because of that, uh, kind of the exciting find of the circumstance. Um, but I definitely find the, the interaction with Kylo to be the more engaging part of okay. her realization. Because, I mean, like three times lucky and <laughs> perfect. It works just that easy for her. She just tries it three times and is able to force persuade. She well, hasn't seen force persuasion. That's what I want to talk about. Is okay, like, fair enough. She's, she's never, she doesn't know this exists. First of all, she doesn't know that she has powers at all other mm-hmm. than that five minutes ago, Kyla was like, hang on, yeah. you got something special. Indirectly, he says that to her. And she does read his mind, mm-hmm. um, which presumably it's easier for her to read his mind than anyone else's because they're so connected. Yes. Now, in the Force Awakens novel, it was expanded upon that Kylo made himself very susceptible. He was he went in very arrogant, exposed to the force. He he went in very vulnerable, right? And was not expecting her to counter counteract, but because he went so deep into her, he just like Ray had the ability to see right through him in that regard. So it was like it was almost yeah, like the beginning of that force bond way prior to anything in the last Jedi. So it should never even occur to her that she can just say to some stranger a thing and he'll say it too and then follow the command. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But it does feel like a Kenobi reference. And I'm wondering, is that supposed to be, and we've talked a lot about her lineage and so has everybody else. We talked about it as recently as last week. Mm. But is is that referential or is that just a, oh, you've seen Force Persuasion before, here's some more? It could be either. Obi-Wan famously is better at force persuasion than the average Jedi. He uses it a lot. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I'm not sure it's totally ethical force persuasion. No, it's super not. Uh, but at the same time, in the Jedi's mind... Greater good. Free will is less important than the force as well. That's true. And so... It is for the greater good in that regard. Right. I don't know. I I agree that it's definitely a strong Obi-Wan indicator because of the specific use case. However... I think with everything we know about Palpatine returning, it just it makes way more sense for her to her background to connect to Palpatines than to connect to Obi-Wan's. As much as like I liked that theory going in when we had no idea, no no compass direction on where Rey could come from. Right. And I felt that after The Last Jedi, that compass was still kind of out in the open, but we've had enough clues about the rise of Skywalker that it really points to her backstory being really tied with Palpatine. And I mean, they're both Brits, so it works in that regard. Well, and the other difference uh, between her force persuasion and Ben Kenobi's is that uh, Ben Kenobi's is very routine. And this Mm -hmm. is like a much more significant moment. And she's a much moodier character than, than Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Both scenes are played for laughs, but this scene is certainly more, uh, significant in the development of the character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Then when Ben moment. Kenobi just like offhandedly shows you that he's capable of doing this. It's the first knowing attempt of her using the Force. It's kind of the first demonstration of the Force in Star Wars, no? Oh, you mean in all of Star Wars, the first time the Force was used? It's kind of the first time you see someone, see a good guy use the Force in Star Wars. Interesting. Now... There is some, like, and this is, goes right into uh, a topic point that's going on right now. Okay. So I'm just going to connect it because it works. Let's go for it. So just as what I literally just said about how Kenobi, Palpatine, I think the Palpatine lineage is much more likely now, uh, but the Kenobi one, this also does work with, and it's kind of interesting. So there are 
two revealed leaks uh, regarding what potentially Ray could have for force powers. Okay. And so there is uh, kind of one believed leak out there that apparently is very reminiscent of something from the Dark Crystal. So some people are a little bit curious about that. It's got huge Dune sort of style implications, but then you could also say it's more Pitakar Kuhn implications. So anyway, uh, our main heroes, Ray Finn Poe, face off against some big worm type creature on Pisana. Okay. Some big desert worm. Uh-huh. Um and so we've seen big desert worms in other canon before in other media before but that's what i mean like apparently like certainly dune there's a specific like in specifically this like directly like what ray discovers about herself is what the character in the dark crystal also discovers about herself versus the big worm which is not a great thing if that's possibly the case no it's not but Um, we'll see but so apparently ray uh in a moment of kind of like calm using the force like her connection to the force heals the worm of its injuries, doesn't attack the worm. Okay. And that allows them to escape. Oh. Ray's like, it's almost like she a, soothes the worm. Yeah, very much. But it's using like a force healing element. Okay. Uh, Ezra, for example, as a character, was extremely connected with animals. Like he had a strong connection with animals. But this is more of a force healing ability okay so it's, it's clearly seen that she, like there is a healing element going along with that some people and force heal was like it's a highly backed up force ability in legends and the bit and canon and whatnot um but its use case it wasn't like an overly difficult force ability it was just certain people were more prone to it than others like all force abilities right specifically the first instance we may see of force healing Maybe Obi-Wan in A New Hope after Luke gets knocked out by the Tusken Raiders. Oh, that's very interesting. So that may he be... He does touch Luke and yeah. kind of bring him to... It may be the first instance of Force healing in Star Wars, which is an interesting link to Obi-Wan that I... Although I still love all the directions that points there, the next Force power that's potentially leaked that she has really cements everything about the Palpatine side of things. Which is what? Is that she accidentally electrocutes Kylo Ren in a fight. Oh, damn. And gets terrified and runs away because she almost kills him and is afraid of herself. That's so interesting because we've always associated... It's beautiful. It's great. We've always associated the lightning fingers with not specifically Palpatine, although, yes, specifically Palpatine, more broadly, just with evil. Yeah, Dooku, Snoke, Palpatine, the three lightning users. Right, and so... um, because we know Rey is good, and yes, she has darkness within her too, and that's the whole point of the story, we know ultimately at the end of the day, this is a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very interesting to show her fragility with the with the good and the dark through Force Lightning. It's almost like she's an atom bomb. She doesn't know when she's going to go off. That's true. Uh, and this is another thing that was like connected somewhere else out there in, in the leakus verse and so if you also want to plug your ears in this <laughs> the part leakus verse uh it's <laughs> this is something that would be phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and i think it's the kind of shit that would make last jedi haters um come like, around no it makes them like go the fuck home right like evaluate the full trilogy um one uh potential leaked element is right after that is when ray takes off she flies to octo and throws like and like she 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 takes kylo's ship and flies to octo right after the lightning thing right and destroys his ship and then throws the graflex saber into the wreckage into the like kind of flames or destruction of kylo's ship 
and then Luke catches it on Octo. Force, oh. Force Ghost Luke. Like, I threw it over the cliff here once. It's right. not the right call. That's kind of funny. And then kind of having her come to Jesus moment with him. Right. Where, of course, exposition would take place. Now, if you're going to, just to backtrack a little bit, to if you're going to make her a character who's capable of healing, and if, in fact, that is her great uh, asset as a Force user... Doesn't it make sense that she, in fact, heals the heart within Ben Solo? Like, oh, definitely to a degree. Yeah. And we can dive kind of back into this sort of stuff uh, after we do the 20 stuff. Okay, right. well then, the best transition is to say that uh, watching Ray use Force Persuasion just made me really want to see her as a more proficient Force user in Episode Nine. We've talked a lot lately about how it was a huge mistake perhaps the ultimate mistake that between episodes seven and eight, literally no time at all passed. And I think the biggest reason I want there to have been a lot more time passed between eight and nine is so we can see a more proficient Ray. Yes. Well, let's put a pin in that specifically. So let's talk about her and Kylo. Sure. So that scene is phenomenal. I mean, there's some good lines. Um, Kylo's kind of main like dive into her head. You're so lonely. So afraid to leave. At night, desperate to sleep. You imagine an ocean. I see it. I see the island. And Han Solo. You feel like he's the father you never had. He would have disappointed you. I know. That's like, that's, that's such a confusing, it's such a loaded line because they made the active decision to say he's like the father you never had. Oh, yeah. Which which trips you up because you're like, okay, what is that supposed to mean? We know that he's the son of, of Han Solo. And yes, he's had some guidance or she's had some guidance from Han Solo thus far in the movie, but I wouldn't go so far as to say he's been the father she never had. So unless that's referring to something directly or it's a misdirection, I don't know. Well, it happens again in the next movie with Luke, like her going to seek like kind of. And and so I think it will work in the long run as a reference to she she seeks belonging in the eyes of all these galactic heroes where her belonging is in galactic evil, whereas Kylo is the vice versa. So in kind of that opposite, whereas like, I don't know if they're going to go really anything beyond that sort of thing. I mean, there's so many things that could make sense to her being Ben's sister. Everything works with that. Like, but the fact is it doesn't work with her being Han and Leia's kid. Not really. And so that's, what's annoying. It's just, it, there are almost no, I've, I've said before, it works better for it to be Leia's kid born of the force that Han wasn't involved with. He was weird about some sort of rift that goes along with that. that You could somehow work, but even still, how on earth does she end up on Jakku? Well, and later on, not to, to transition too much, but later on when Han and Leia have kind of, uh, they've kind of patched things up a little bit and they're having a few tender moments at this point. And he's about to fly off uh, into space again. And she's worried about him. She says, if you see our son, bring him home. And it's very sweet, but it's very hopeful on Leia's side. And the look on Han's face is, is very, it's very indicative towards, he knows better than Leia, how truly impossible that is. Yes, absolutely. He is. Well, he even says to her before though, like, 
our son is gone. And yeah. She was like, no, I still see good. And it was snow. And, you know, no matter how much, how, you know, geez, I can't read today. I'm just, you know how, you, Jesus, you know, no matter how much we fought, I've always hated watching you leave. That's why I did it. So you'd miss me. I did miss you. It wasn't all bad, was it, huh? Some of it was good. Pretty good. Some things never change. Yeah. True, I, you still drive me crazy. If you see our son, bring him home. I like some of that, but I have to single out. It wasn't all bad. Some of it was good. It wasn't all bad, was it? Huh? Some of it was good. <laughs> it just wasn't. I don't know. In a way, I think it's actually really nice because it's he has a hard time expressing his feelings. Oh, yeah. That's why it's great. But it's also... I mean, I guess it was JJ or whomever, Lawrence Kasdan is capable of better. So it was obviously done decisively, but it's it's yeah, stiff. it's, it's just, it is very Han though, just not being really capable. Because I mean, when you think of him in Return of the Jedi, like I won't stand in the way, and it's just like he's very like he just doesn't know how to con- convey himself. And when he's flustered in A New Hope, does he ever say that he? Uh, loves, hi, how are you? <laughs> does he ever say that he loves Leia in any Star Wars movie, or is um, it just understood? Probably. I'd like I'd like the stats on that because I don't know. I don't like, know. Like he, I mean, he famously says, "I know, I love you, I know." But then also, there's that awkward scene where Luke comes in, and like Luke also has a crush on Leia, and Han is like, yeah. "Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes." Um, I think it's is isn't the first thing or one of the first things he says to her in Return of the Jedi. I love you, and she, she responds with "I know." She responds with "I know." Even in Return that, of the Jedi, that was known to be an iconic line. Hey? I think that happens when she takes off the. Or no, someone, someone who loves you. Someone who loves you, and then I don't know. So, something tells me that line was spoken. It does feel, uh, yeah. Familiar. So I'm, I'm sure it happens in Return of the Jedi. Anyway, anyway, I back to to Kylo and 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 Rey. Is that okay? Jerry, you want to go back to that? Sure. Well, I just I I just found it to be an interesting observation that she she calls him a creature in a mask he says you still want to kill me and she says that happens when you're being threatened by a by a creature in a mask and i mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that they decisively chose to use the word creature and then immediately takes off his mask yeah. because it's an incredibly humanizing moment and it's another thing that's easy for us to forget we didn't know yet that he was uh han and leia's kid going into this movie no but we did know that by this he, point he was adam driver and i think we probably knew that he was going to take his mask off at some point yeah so uh un- unlike with darth vader it's very clear he's not a robot but mm-hmm. it's easy for us to forget that ray doesn't know anything about this scary guy in a mask just that he could for all we know be a creature in a mask and then he takes off his mask and not only is he a person he's a boy and mm-hmm. he's got like a baby face and it's incredibly humanizing, and I thought it was a, I thought it was really excellent writing. It was just, oh yeah, in in every way, it was good filmmaking. It was it was it was beaded out perfectly. But also specifically that he wears this mask one hundred percent of the time, and it took him all of ten seconds to take it off for her. That's true. It, he was willing to show his face to her immediately. Yeah, what? Why he, is that? Because he's always willing to be like he's just. He's a sucker for vulnerability around her. He's oddly cooperative with Ray. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's going to be the like a mat. That's going to be the plot of episode nine. He likes her, right? Like, in, to put it in the simplest terms, he wants to like Ray. Yeah, he feels compelled. He feels intrigued by her. Right. Um, some of the rumored like words around um, Kylo's stance coming into episode nine are. Uh, Kylo is dealing with his conflicted feelings towards um, 
repairing his relationship with Ray, um, and then the word love was floated around somewhere in there. So there is a chance you could see some hardcore Anakin Padme mirroring, at least from Kylo's perspective, um, in episode nine. So uh, Maybe they'll go the, buffalo riding in the meadow. It, oh, my God. <laughs> or whatever those things were. <laughs> That's right. I hate sand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he probably does hate sand. He hates a lot of she things. She probably loves sand. <laughs> she, well, <laughs> she was okay with sand. Why does everybody want to go back to Jakku? I hate snow. <laughs> Uh, does she, when he pictures the island, when he sees the island in her brain, is she envisioning that island because of her connection to the Force in general or specifically to Luke Skywalker? I think the Force in general. Or is it just because she's she knows about the map? Uh, no, I don't think that. I think the Force in general or potentially there was more to the vision that we were supposed to be implied that maybe she gathered more from that. But she is seeing Octo, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very much just her strong connection to the Force, uh, being able to, I don't know, see through it, to see where Luke is, to sense it. Right. Um, very similar to the way the Force bonds have always been going throughout all this. What other thoughts have you about this 20? We can talk about quotes. Uh, there's the great kind of start to it with Kylo. You're my guest. Yeah. Do you mean the murderers, traitors, and thieves you call friends? You'd be relieved to hear I have no idea. That's a good you line. You still want to kill me. <laughs> it's a really good line. It is, and the delivery is phenomenal. Uh, you, you're afraid that you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. I think you mentioned that yeah. a minute ago. That was, That's such an interesting thing to have her say because she probably has heard the legends of Darth Vader the same way she's heard the legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. But to say something so personal is also telling of her insight. It shows, yeah, it shows that she got into his head. Yeah. And, I don't know, it, it, maybe it's also something that can be linked to the way Palpatine treated Vader. Right. Yeah. And the way Snoke treats Kylo. Right. Snoke treats Kylo very much of, you'll never be as powerful as Darth Vader. Well, specifically, uh, if what you say about this girl is true, bring, bring her, her to, to me. me. Yeah. Because already Snoke is like, Ah, okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Show her to me. Yeah, of some sorts. He knows. But shouldn't Kylo know too? He knows about what Kylo girl? knows something. Yeah. We don't know what Kylo knows, the extent of his knowledge of the circumstance, what girl. Right. Um, it's That's still all up in the air. And okay. Who knows? And where, like, we, we're just going to find out through some bit of exposition. I think it's all but a given that Snoke is some form of proxy for Palpatine, whether that's a representative, uh, a second apprentice, just this version of Dooku, uh, just reincarnation, uh, a dead but dead body, the Palpatine. Like, so many things Snoke could be, right. but he's Palpatine. Palpatine controls him. Yep. And so Pal it really, Palpatine knows best, which Palpatine has any inclination as to what Rey could be likely has involvement in her origins. Han has two very fan service exchanges in this 20 that seem to harken right back to original Han Solo. Oh, yes. Uh, one of them I love. The other one I'm, I'm really not so crazy about. The one that I love is, uh, okay, how do we blow it up? There's always a way to do that. And yes, Leia that says, was a good line. Han's right. I think that's really good. I think that it's subtler than in reference to Phasma. What do we do with her? Is there a garbage chute? Trash compactor? Yeah, there is. I don't like how easily they're able to just get her to do it. Well, yeah, the whole Phasma thing is stupid. It's really, really, really stupid. But specifically it's referencing the, the trash compactor is 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 very on the nose for it's me. It's very fan servicey, but it's also like Han recognizing the circumstance. Yep. 
him recognizing, like, seriously, we're in this shit again. Maz said it to him before. You're right back in this mess. I think in a con saying before, also, like, there's always got to be a way to blow it up. It's it's old hat for him. So yep. it's like, okay, well, let's have fun. Let's make me think of the shittiest thing we had to go through on all the Death Stars. Ah, the trash compactor was pretty bad. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's a fun little callback. Uh, my favorite line from Han, though, in the 20, and we have to call the episode is... That's not how the Force that's works. That's not how the Force works. Delivered so well, too. <laughs> we'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. You're right, and that is certainly the name of this episode for iconic status, but there's Escape a couple... Escape Now, Hug Later. Escape Now, Hug Later is a really good potential name. Even Don't Be Afraid, I Feel It Too, which is a little long, but I think it's uh, symbolically telling of this 20. Definitely. Bring it down, bring it down. Han says that to Finn as he's like ranting off to Phasma. <laughs> Poe shouts, uh, he shouts a good, guys, we got a lot of company, which is clearly referential, but it's expanded upon. Yep, yeah, no, it's good. It, it, it cements him as the Han Solo of this movie, if not for the Han Solo in this movie. Yeah, I see what you mean in terms of having that, uh, the good lines, the wit in that regard. And it's nice that just, they haven't just done the, carbon copies of these characters. The indescribable which... amount of charisma and charm. Oh, yeah. He's a absolutely. nicer guy than Han Solo. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, his charisma gets the better of him in the next movie, so. That's true. That's true. Uh, I think that's kind of all I got. I noticed uh, just on my take backs list, there was a really bad CGI moment once they've met up with Ray and they go back outside and they look out at the battlefield where the resistance has started to fly in. It's a really bad green screen moment. It's It's nitpicky, but I think Star Wars in this movie in particular is better than this one shot. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you commented it more, you commented in the last 20 on it. I didn't really see it in the last 20, but Leia's delivery and her lines. Her lines are poorly written and they're delivered poorly. She's not a very good actor. At this point. But at the same time, the lines are not good lines either. Nope, nope that's true. So they don't really give her much, which that's, is a bit of a shame. That's kind of true. Um, best moments of the 20, uh, the troopers avoiding Kylo's tantrum. Yes. When he notices that Ray isn't in the room. It's a lot of good Stormtrooper stuff. In fact, one of my favorite moments of the 20 is when the doors open and Chewie just blows away a Stormtrooper. Oh, that is good. He just blows him away and it, he bounces back to the other side. It's a very good Chewbacca moment. Mm -hmm. uh, all the interactions between Finn and Solo. I never really realized. I mean, obviously, the did you just call me Solo is a line you remember from your very few first viewing. I don't think I ever noticed how many times he calls him Solo in this movie. <laughs> he keeps it up. Yeah, he does. He keeps it going right through to the end. Yeah. I think it's funny. I think I think it fits. It's really good physical comedy when Han is nudging his, his chin in the other direction and, and Finn oh, says, yes. why do you keep doing this? Yes. It's He just does it really, really well. It's so frustrated. Yeah, he's really, really pissed. And he's like, stop yeah. giving me this stupid look. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, when they find each other again, Ray and Finn, that's a really good moment. Really too. sweet. Yeah. Uh, and Ray climbing around Starkiller Blitz. Starkiller base like she's like it also just, feels like Kenobi to me it does oh it totally does it's exactly yeah. like Kenobi in uh, a new hope in the in a new hope in the Death Star yeah uh, but at the same time it's also kind of linked with her scavenger ways and she That's true. in her initial uh, designs she had a fuck ton of climbing gear okay so she was supposed to be like much more cargoed up with like pulleys and everything under the sun that oh. a scavenger could have. And then they just continued to streamline her down. Right. And just, it 
got less and less and less. It's a minor thing to nitpick, but I did find her to really seem to know where she was going and what she was doing. Like, particularly when she climbs down onto that void. And she's, like, hitting buttons and she climbs into a shaft. And then it closes. It closes on her and, like, that... That could have crushed her. But yeah, she didn't one, seem worried I about 100% it. One hundred percent have noticed that every time. Like, <laughs> man, I just—it's a good thing you know that there's space there somehow. You know what? She spent a lot of time climbing around inside Imperial star destroyers. Yep. So maybe they're constructed similarly. Maybe she recognizes some of the mechanisms. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. That lines up perfectly. Probably the canonical explanation. We can use that. It probably is. Works for me. Um, trivia. Okay. I only have two trivia questions. Okay, what's your bad one? Do you have a bad one? Yeah, and they're only kind of sort like sort of ranked, but I'll I'll give you this one as my as my bad one question. It's there's two parts. What is the resistance's specific target to hit on Starkiller Base, and where is it? Uh, it's the um, a reactor oscillator. It, it is something? a thermal thermal oscillator. oscillator. Yeah. Um, and according to Finn, it's located where? I can picture the like how they found it within like two seconds on the 3d rendering of it yeah um i don't remember what is it precinct 37 precinct 37 something generic that was just a a big blur of bad lines so i just kind of zoned out a little bit i get it stretch for sure so yeah that's understandable um padawan question here who was blue leader for the resistance who had the call sign blue leader oh i don't know if i noticed anyone being significant was it like Fishboy or somebody uh no it's uh snap wexley snap yeah. he says the name snap and i was like oh that's gonna come up as a trivia question but he says it like when they're planning before they're actually flying around yeah according so to snaps uh configurations or something yeah his name is temin wexley uh snap wexley he's 100 percent supposed to be the wedge antilles of this series okay just but greg runberg who's the actor is i think jj abrams best friend oh that's nice like his very best friend just gave him a part in the movie and yeah and so the character is wedge antilles mentee and he is like one of poe's like long-term ride or dies in the resistance so that's kind of (laughs) nice yeah it's it's just kind of cool and what does the nickname snap mean if that's not his real name i don't know but Probably something to do with his speed. Pokemon Snap. Uh, uh, maybe, yes. He's really good at Pokemon he Snap. He was really good at Pokemon I don't even remember what Pokemon Snap was. You remember Pokemon Snap where you like have to take pictures of Pokemon and you're like, you just coast around, you take pictures of Pokemon. It was an N64 game. That's all I got? Uh, I got my Knight and Master. Okay. Um, but uh, who has the call sign Red 3 for the Resistance? I don't know. The girl? No, Ninum. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. And right. what do we know him from? Uh, he was Lando's co-pilot when they take down... And it's the, the same Death, guy. The Death Star, yeah, in Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just a cool callback there. Interesting. He's still he's still doing it. Oh, yeah. He's he's still fighting. All right. And uh, he's still around, actually. He survived to the Rise of Skywalker, unlike Akbar. Okay. Maybe he'll have a big role. He maybe will have, he will maybe have a role. Maybe he's Palpatine. No. I don't know. <laughs> don't write it off. I, I sense a whole theory coming. How many X-Wings fought in the Battle of Starkiller Base? Oh, it's not very many, right? It's like six? Nope. Okay, it's many. Yeah. It's, oh, it is many because there's lots of TIE fighters that come in. I don't know, 20? That's a good guess, 24. 24. Okay. So, yeah, quite a few. Great. Uh, there is no red leader. Poe has his black and orange X-Wing, and he leads that squadron, and he has no call sign, I think, other than Poe. Okay. Which is 
pretty friggin' arrogant. Yeah, but <laughs> it is. Uh, I think he's just commander. That's fine. It's fine with me. These are things that most of us don't notice. No, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I'd say other than maybe you could shave out six or seven minutes in the last two 20s combined. Yes. Uh, yeah, great 20s. Lots of good Kylo and Rey in this 20. That's obviously what, what you want to focus on because that's, that's the rich relationship of this entire trilogy. Oh, absolutely. Not even close. What do we have for news or theories or updates or anything you want to bring up? Sure. Uh, so in uh, just kind of some general canon, uh, Snoke comic from Age of Resistance is coming out. Uh, and so I haven't really dove in fully, but uh, specifically Snoke takes uh, kind of a newly minted Kylo Ren to Dagobah uh, to face his fears the same way his uncle did. Okay. Uh, and so Snoke tells Kylo Ren to go into the dark side cave. Um, mm. and he has to fight Luke in there, um, because Luke's what he fears. Oh. Uh, he kind of mocks Luke saying he's not that powerful. And Snoke kind of lashes back and said, if he were my apprentice and not you, the galaxy would be in my hands a long time ago. Oh, wow. Uh, basically Dark. like, don't disrespect your uncle. I, he, he's powerful as hell. This comic could be pretty telling for what we understand of Snoke. Yes, it could be yeah. very telling. So I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more. When does it come? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I just saw a release couple of panels. It might be out, and maybe it's just a couple of the panels that I was only able to see. Okay. Uh, but it definitely seems interesting. And uh, of all of the ones, probably the one I want to read the most, for, for sure. For sure, yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, nothing really in, like, direct news for Rise of Skywalker. Um, season two for The Mandalorian, John Favreau says they're working. Uh, he's also going to direct. Yeah, I saw that. As well in season two, which is really cool. Yeah, I saw a headline that said uh, John Favreau wants to direct an episode in the no, second season. He is directing. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. He's in charge. Yeah, he said... Right, and he's, he's also one of the m most money-making directors in the world, so not yeah. worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can direct a Star Wars movie as soon as he wants. Yep, I think so too. Absolutely. There are not that many people who can say that. No, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau just kind of talked a little bit about how there's going to be some backstory in the First Order as well in The Mandalorian. Right. Uh, Dave Filoni says this doesn't turn into a good guy universe because you blew up two Death Stars. You get the Rebels who won, but they're trying to establish a Republic, but there's no way that could be set in for everyone at once. So it's kind of a Western style where you're out in the frontier. There might be Washington and they may have some marshals, but sometimes good luck finding one. Uh, John Favreau, uh, also what could happen uh, in the 30 years between celebrating the defeat of the Empire and then the First Order. Uh, you come to Episode 7, uh, not just starting out, they're pretty far along, so somehow things uh, weren't necessarily managed as well as they could have been in the galaxy for it to end up in that much hot water again. So they had some released pictures, which look kind of cool. Gina Carano definitely looks to be playing um, kind of one of his comrades, the Mandalorian. Uh, and so she's going to be one of the main characters. So he's not a lone wolf necessarily. He's got, no. he's got pals. It looks like he does have pals of sorts, but apparently she might be a target on one of his very first missions. Okay. And then they just join forces pretty soon after. Um, besides that, uh, there's not really a whole lot in the news world other than just some kind of rumors and some theories out there that we could kind of discuss. Uh, so we chatted about some of the other ones before, and I will kind of add on to some of the things you were saying about wanting to see more of Ray's training. Yeah. And so another thing in the leakosphere. Uh, <laughs> I love this. I love the leakosphere. Uh, the leakiverse, I think you said. I said the first time, I think. Leakosverse, yeah. Uh, but out there in the world, uh, there's a really cool uh, rumor that the movie may actually start with a flashback. Okay. And it may start with Luke 
training Leia in the Force. Wow. And then it will transition into kind of like showing that it was maybe like a memory of Leia. How old Leia? They would be 100% using Billy Lord and oh, putting a face over top. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Why would they use Billy Lord? Because there was some hints a while back that they would be. Okay. There was some hints a while back that she was a stand-in at one point. She was on Kimmel last night. She's a blast. Oh, that's good. Kimmel? That doesn't surprise me. No, Jimmy me. Fallon. Yeah, she's she's a hoot. Yeah, and so I don't know who they would get to stand in for Luke Skywalker, but it would be something very brief, but to show, like, we saw she had the Force in The Last Jedi. Her role was not as to take the path of a Jedi, but to show that she was very much trained. Right. Uh, and then so it would show kind of blinking to Leia in present day, training Rey. So that we're oh. able to show the knowledge has been passed through many people and she has spent the last year becoming very close with Leia. And she's going to have a living a lot mentor. from Leia. Exactly. Yeah. Which Luke never did. True. He like pieced out on Yoda after like a week and then just had ghosts hanging around with him for a long time. That's true. So Ray had texts. And Luke, uh, in the same capacity as Yoda, and then Leia for a good amount of time, it makes sense for her to have some capabilities it now, does. which yeah. is nice. Yeah. It adds some really great context, and I think people would absolutely love seeing Luke Skywalker be a badass for 20 seconds and yes. showing some shit to Leia. People want to see that, but for some reason, incels do not want to accept that Leia is strong with the Force. It makes no sense that what? she wouldn't be. But, oh, yeah, like the Leia Poppins and like... Well, Leia Poppins, I don't like because it's poorly done. I understand, but But, there are are so many people who just see having the Force as having a lightsaber. Yeah. And they're like, no, Leia can't do anything. Even though she uses the Force in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And it's always been clear she had the Force. And it's always clear that she would be capable. And no, there is another. And she's his twin. Yeah, like (laughs) Yoda 100% wanted to train Leia. Right. Obi-Wan won that argument. I agree. So, but just, I'm I'm just saying, be prepared for people to be dumb. Oh yeah, people will be dumb, but that's not something that anyone on in the Lucasfilm or Disney department gives a shit about. N- yeah, you're right. They don't need to pander to that because you're pan. You, if you're like Leia was supposed to be a highlighted character in this movie, and so if there was supposed to be a big reveal of her Force capabilities in Episode Nine, and maybe they had to tone it down as to the extent of that after she passed away mm. and then maybe it was supposed to having a larger force role in this movie. However, there's also a decent chance. And I still think that this could be very cool um, in the sense of showing more progression is they could do a time jump in this movie. Sure. Like, I don't, well, you could do it like half an hour in, you could do it halfway through, you could do it with 20 minutes left. You, there's a lot of like, you could do think, a time jump that kills Leia. I think 20 minutes left is very probable just oh, in yeah. like a in an epic story kind of way and here's where we are now that the story is officially over your kids are going off to hogwarts do you know what i mean yeah well it would be it would be like that but nowhere near as cheesy it would be much of more course. of a solemn i think i think it would be much more hmm. return of the king ending sequence oh sure than yeah uh harry potter yeah bittersweet is bittersweet what, yeah. not solemn but bittersweet bittersweet yeah i yeah. think i think we're getting a bittersweet ending i, I, I definitely I'm think happy with that um some more kind of leaks and, and rumors out there uh, i've avoided anything that seems too big mm-hmm. just because i don't want anything like massive leaked but like anything that seems like it's got a fair amount of cloudiness around it or is just little tidbits why not 
or things that we just can't really extract much from. Uh, but the Wayfinder was a rumored thing in the in the past, uh, the rumored MacGuffin, kind of this thing that Kylo is is searching for uh, to allow him to either find the Emperor or find something in the unknown regions, some form of compass of sorts, uh, like a Force compass to a degree. Right. Uh, and so, rumored a while back was that there was going to be multiple MacGuffins. Potentially, this just meant that there was going to be multiple of this MacGuffin. Potentially, okay. this Wayfinder, and this is rumored out there now. Is that a Star Wars term? It's a new term. Okay. We it's, don't know what it is, though. It's, we have no idea what this Wayfinder is. Okay. But it's believed to be a MacGuffin-type a MacGuffin type device that will lead Kylo either to the unknown regions, Palpatine of some sorts, or whatnot. But potentially, he was looking for Vader's Wayfinder. Ah, okay. Found Palpatine's, and I don't know, somehow unlocks Palpatine that way in okay. some way, shape, or form. Or he has Vader's and Ray is somehow able to acquire Palpatine's. And so there is the belief out there that potentially it was something that both Vader and Palpatine had, and Ray and Kylo will each obtain one in different ways, allowing them to kind of cross paths, uh, and ultimately the Emperor bringing the two of them together at once sort of thing. Okay. Kind of like leading, leading to, uh, just like leading them breadcrumbs like straight to them sort of style. Right. Like getting them each kind of like within their lineage to, to find that. And then there's also something somebody pointed out that I can't believe I'd never seen before or nobody pointed out and it made its rounds. But uh, the compass that Luke goes to find from the Emperor's Observatory in the game Battlefront. Mm -hmm. He goes to find a compass that belonged to the Emperor. It's an old relic compass and you see it in Luke's hut in The Last Jedi. Um, but it also shows that Kylo had it in his on his person right. when he had that like Luke flashback moment where he turned on Luke. And so potentially that compass itself um, was the Wayfinder. Okay. It's been a subtle... I mean, it's a Wayfinder. It's yeah, a it's, compass. It's, it's a subtle like thing that the Emperor had. Right. But potentially if the Emperor had it all along and... Like Luke stole it, and potentially it was still on Octo after Kylo didn't realize it was the right one. And you or think maybe... it contains his spirit in some way? No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't know what that will be. Okay. I think this is purely a like like a MacGuffin in the most literal sense ever, in the sense that it's literally directing the plot and in like a direction. Like it's helping them yeah. find like where. Like I think it's potentially one of those styles. Okay. Um, but no, I don't think it would be the essence device of sorts or how Palpatine is going to come back. There's another rumor out there that I would be actually pissed with. It's one of the few rumors I'd be pissed with. Can I just right. say one more time that I think MacGuffins are very dangerous. And yes. I, I like, they just, I just think of the infinity gauntlet and those were good movies, but like you, you're, you're just making a grocery list for a screenplay. Like, yeah, that's fair. No, I, I, I definitely understand but the reason as to why I'm okay with it is because it was part of the original ideas mm. for the trilogy. Yeah. And the only reason why I know that is because the character of Kylo Ren has always supposed to have been a relic hunter. He has always been on the search for something. And in all the flashbacks and everything in The Force Awakens, it shows that he is searching for those items. And well, he yeah. has an obsession with Vader. Yeah, he found Vader's uh, helmet, which I guess makes him a relic hunter. Do we have other evidence of that? Uh, a crap ton of the art on The Force Awakens. Uh, early drafts, early leaks. Okay. Um, Snoke's character, some background information that's been put on him. It's it was very much uh, a big part of 
many of the early drafts and every early draft of Kylo Ren. Right, okay. And so it leads me to believe that a lot of that's being recycled for episode nine. It just makes sense. And so that makes me comfortable in that there's potential that these Wayfinders could have been George Lucas ideas. Right. And that if happens they were, a lot. then phenomenal. Yep. George Lucas is also rumored to be a more involved consultant on the end of the movie than he's been in a while. Okay. And so apparently uh, another potential leak out there is that, uh, a rumor out there, I should say, is that reshoots are, are going long. They're still reshooting. Yeah. Really? That they're still doing reshoots. Oh my God, this and, movie comes out in two and months. And there's still consultations from Lucas of sorts. Like the reshoots were announced a little while back, but apparently, obviously it's just small things, but apparently there's some things that are like getting it to flow nicely and to work and to be all aligned and everything without gaps. Apparently there's some issues, but also that could be total, complete hot garbage. Yeah. Um, but it is out there in the world. It's amazing to me they don't have the thing mixed down and on a hard drive in a safe already. Like, I know this is how it works, but like it comes out in three months. It's amazing to me that they haven't been ready for a long well, time. Well, it would it would be crazy to think that they were doing anything significant still. And then yeah. that would be kind of scary to yeah. think they were doing anything significant yeah. still. So hopefully not. Hopefully it's just a couple small things because I mean you would assume that they're like they've done shooting so it's just small things it has to be and just like because they only can make certain set pieces right um so yeah TBD on that regard uh the rumor that I was going to mention a while back that I would friggin hate uh is that potentially Palpatine didn't even die oh yeah I would hate that too and it's it would be in my opinion the laziest way of bringing him back imaginable and I would be very disappointed in everyone involved for allowing that to happen. And we did that already with, with Darth Maul and it was passable because there wasn't a whole lot about Darth Maul. And it seemed like a shame not to expound upon that interesting looking person. Yeah. But with this already interesting person who has this obsession with, uh, with, uh, reclaiming, um, life after death and eternity. And like the only way I'm okay with it is if, he somehow survives until Snoke found him. Right. That's kind of the only way I'm okay with it because then it's not him like waiting around for 30 years, but it was more of he was able to cling to something and was able to kind of haunt it and was able to like take over somebody else in some way because then it can work in the possession thing and it works with an overall bigger arc that you can go with. But if it's simply his ability to return to the story was that he was able to live the way Darth Maul lived, I will be really pissed because that is too weak. Yes, the Emperor, if Darth Maul can fall down that shaft, the Emperor should be able to. Darth Maul fell into a pile of garbage. The Emperor fell into a reactor. Right. And the Emperor, yes, is he the most powerful of all? Yes, but... Darth Vader also defeated him, and that was the whole goddamn point of the first six movies, and you can't take that away completely. I'm I'm not even going to dignify this with further discussion. There's no way this is happening. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm not worried about it. I, I don't... I'm not really worried about it either. Um, the only... like, But you mentioned the Darth Maul thing. It's a matter of, okay, you don't want them to choose certain precedent that's been set in Star Wars. That's right. And that's also... Then it gets to kind of selective speculation, which right. is always a dangerous game. That's right. And Luke went down the shaft, you know, in Empire Strikes Back yeah. and conveniently fell down the right hole. Well, that's what makes, that's Samuel L. Jackson's always big argument. He is, wants to still be alive out there, too. He says, Jedi have a history of being able to fall from great heights without dying. That's true. And that is definitely true. He and makes a good point. I, I, Sam, I want Mace Windu dead. 
I want Samuel L. Jackson back in a prequel because I've said it <laughs> the before. The man is in his 70s. Captain Marvel. Okay. All right. I don't see any reason why he can't. Okay. But I think you could also, like, you could do an intense character work with Mace Windu. Sure. And that can be kind of a blurring of the lines. Absolutely. Too. A couple things here. Just about Kylo. Do you think we're going to see any Sith eyes with him or Rey? Sith eyes. Any yellow eyes? That's a good I, question. I'm, I'm thinking if, if there's possession that involves Kylo, if like the Emperor somehow takes him over, I think that would be the clean like point to like right. show the difference as to, oh, this is possessed Kylo. Or from Dark Ray. Yeah. No, definitely that as well. But I think there's enough other things we've already shown in what Dark Ray will look like. Kylo doesn't really have time for a costume change at any point. I don't think... I think Kylo... I think Kylo has gotten as evil as he's ever going to get. Oh, yeah. Let's put it that way. I, I think that he he reaches his evil pinnacle at the end of The Last Jedi, and he is always going to have some light in him. Um, you could say that Anakin always had some light in him, too, because he did come back, but I also don't... I don't think that's really true. I think that Anakin was gone when he got his yellow eyes. Yes. he. Like, that's the thing. Kylo has never fully fallen to the dark side Anakin fell to the dark side immediately because Palpatine's solution to that was, oh, he's going to waver? Anakin, your first order is go murder 500 children. Right. And so <laughs> in that in that tradition, I no, I don't think Kylo's going to get those yellow eyes. No, and I, I wouldn't think he would in that regard, but I think that there could be something along those lines at the very end, um, some conflicting points, something turning... Like if Rey dies... Like, I don't think she's going to die forever. Right. But like finishing what you started in terms yeah. of saving people from death, potentially Ray's ability to heal. Maybe she's the one who finishes what Vader started in trying to solve death, but Kylo finishes in terms of balancing the force. Maybe. Something like that could be kind of cool. Maybe. Well, we know 3PO gets his Sith eyes. We they, Who knows what the hell that is? I don't even... like. It might not be as, as dramatic as it appears to be in the trailer. It's I, one of those things we cling on to, but it might not be a big deal. I think it's going to be important for the character. Yeah, I know you think 3PO is going to matter in this movie, and I'm down with that, but I want him to, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I really, that's one that I'm I'm pretty vacant on for impactful theories. Right. Uh, the red eyes, it's going to be probably an accidental download of some information. Uh, I think apparently those droids have war mode or something. That, you, that they've also enacted. And there's apparently a protocol droid that they've used in comics before with red eyes who's like a sadistic fuck. Oh. And so like potentially there is some programming things that they could have done around with 3PO and make him okay. a, li a little bit like insane. But not for comedic effect, hopefully. Like I hope last not. Time I hope evil. for not too much comedic effect. No, I mean, obviously everything with 3PO is comedic effect. That's but the thing. nothing like Attack of the Clones because that was horrible. Horrible. Truly, truly horrible. Anything else we about done? Uh, Kylo's cape. Yeah. Uh, it being on, uh, when they're fighting on the Death Star, uh, it being the missing in the reflection. Yeah. There's a clip that there's a, a little still that went around and some people noticed that there's a reflection in, what is it in the, in a spaceship or something? Well, they're fighting on the Death Star, Kylo and Ray, and it's in the teaser trailer and Kylo's cape is not visible in the reflection on the puddle. Right. In the puddle. And so it's also interesting in that fight, Ray is a hundred percent on the offensive. Huh. Uh, so some people believe that that's Kylo breaking some extra news to her and that she's not so happy with. Okay. And that maybe that leads to 
her having pent up anger and electrocuting him. Okay. So in it, a thunderstorm, it also works really well there. My theory, exactly where you just went there, that is how my thought process went completely. Yeah. Uh, because what if, and I have mentioned before about Palpatine being the Force Storm, what if that's how he does some of his manipulation? What if some of the stuff it is is like some, natural, some voices? Yeah, and just na- like using the lightning from the sky oh, as awesome. Force lightning. That's awesome. And like something where it's like you can just see like maybe like Kylo being electrocuted like hell from the sky and done some form of like attempt to, like by Palpatine or like the force ghosts providing some form of shield in that regard. It also plays nicely with uh, the poster where Palpatine is in the sky quite yes. literally. He's above looking out over at everybody. Oh, nice. I didn't think about that. I've always viewed that as more of a puppet master thing. That too. But that's definitely a play on as well. But I, I, I like that. That's really good because there's a lot of sparks flying and lightning in that poster. So that could be really cool. Yeah. That could work. Yeah. I think this lightning thing is coming together. Speaking of the poster, why is Kylo only wearing the helmet in some of the art? Interesting, because like I remember it being said when JJ took over. I, I actually don't remember specifically when, but I remember hearing at some point that Kylo was going to get the the mask was going to be back in mm. this, um, and we know that because we've seen it patchworked with the red adhesive or whatever mm-hmm. but that they were going to kind of fix some of the oh look how pretty adam driver is that appeared in the last jedi he's there's zero pictures of kylo ren in the helmet right every single still picture visual shot video he is not wearing it once he's too good of an actor to be in a helmet all time in every piece of promotional art and every product he is wearing the helmet interesting it is a clear divide every art to a t he has the helmet on and never in any of the visuals from the movie Mm. and so it does lend some credit to the imposter theory that some people have had out there that potentially one of the knights of ren takes up his mantle um in like like in, in kind of a mutiny way um that's okay. i don't like it we'll see i think it's probably a stylistic thing but i find it i find it odd yeah however i've also said before that i think there could be some links with those red lines trying to deal with palpatine and some manipulation show it could just be a metaphor right and that's the whole reason why they put it back together but they never actually want to use it anyway yeah maybe it might literally just be for those kind of reasons you think it would go the other way around you think they want to put the movie star's face on the poster yeah it seems weird but it's just it's across the board yeah Uh, maybe it's to still try and get us to think he's dark Maybe it's a bit of a misdirect in the sense of trying to make us think of him as being the evil one when he's so not. <laughs> right. Well, this is true. Um, there's also some rumor out there about a dagger. Okay. A dagger potentially having some major uh, role within the movie. And it got me thinking to the Mortis dagger, which uh, I've told you about the Mortis arc on Clone Wars before. Uh, and that was the dagger that was essentially used to essentially kill the force, wiping it had the ability to wipe the like wipe the force away <laughs> from somebody. How? It was um so the father, the son, and the daughter were very much representations of the force on the planet Mortis. And the father was the keeper and the balance. So this is like a Genesis story. This is like a 
Like an Old Testament story? Yeah, very yeah. similar. Very, very similar. But Mortis was a planet that Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin uh, had kind of like a psychedelic venture to in the Clone Wars. And it was very, like, in light, like Anakin didn't remember it. And so Anakin does find out about his fate while he's on Mortis. He finds out that he is the Chosen One. He does bring balance on Mortis, but he finds out that he will become Darth Vader and all these things. And like, it, it's a it's a phenomenal, phenomenal arc. But the father ends up, uh, the son ends up killing the daughter, which means evil kills the good. Right. And then the father kills himself, so mm-hmm. that the son loses his immortality. Ah, okay. And then the son is killed. Okay. And so ultimately balance is brought because the insane battle between light and dark, the son and the daughter is ended. What a bummer story. It's a, it's like, <laughs> it's just laced with metaphors. It's yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, it sounds like a great fable, but it sounds very old testimony. It is very much so, but yeah. there's always been biblical references True. in star Wars, the chosen one. Yep. Uh, and so when I heard of this dagger, it got me thinking that potentially that's how you kill Palpatine forever. Okay. If that dagger can literally kill somebody who's a force wielder almost like uh like the will they're almost like wills yep um it does align well with george lucas's designs for diving deeper into that side of the force with this trilogy i just don't want to bring in a lot of new stuff in this final chapter you know yep totally but i'm just trying to think of how else you're going to kill palpatine right how else do you and then so i also looked into other biblical things because there's always biblical ties with all these stories um, and then it got me thinking because I watched the TV show Lucifer, which is a great TV show, and it's obviously extremely well researched because it needs to be, or else like get called out for that shit. And like, characters are based off of biblical characters. Okay. Uh, and the character of Azrael, which is the angel of death, um, I did a little bit of research, and in almost damn near every uh, language and history and interpretation, Azrael, the angel of death, is consistent. And a lot of times, it's the same as the Grim Reaper. Um, but the blade, Asriel's blade, is the only thing in the Lucifer universe, at least, uh, and in certain biblical stories, that has the ability to sever your ties with both the spiritual world and the physical world. Okay. Which is the most forcey thing ever. It sure is, yeah. <laughs> and so it aligns perfectly with the Mortis dagger, a rumored dagger for episode nine. How do you wipe out somebody off the face of the force right well if we need to do it palpatine that seems like one of the only things that could work alternatively we could just we could just go with the trope of well i suppose he'll always be out there in some aspect you know and i'm not saying i want that but i will hate that yeah me too but that has been done they can't do that i agree because they can't bring him back and then have him still potentially come back again right Unless you say we're not making any more of these movies and everyone just has to be at peace with what was the end of the story. But then you have to kill him or else there's no closure and then you never needed to make these three movies ever. Right. In which case, Disney, there's no way Disney will do that. You don't like, think Disney likes to make money? This is That would not be <laughs> making money. That would be the... I, know, I honestly, I, know, I think that would... I know. I agree. I think he's got to die too. Yeah, I think that would create a bigger backlash than Last Jedi. Do you have anything else? We must be about done. I'm very sleepy in this one. Yeah, I'm, no, that's totally right. I'm talking I, very I, slow. I mumbled a lot and I slurred through any time I tried to read anything. I, I, I read for a living. And as soon as I have to do it on a podcast, I can't. It happens a couple times a week. 
Fair enough, then. Um, yeah, that is, uh, that's everything for me. I'm just looking through here. Nothing seems to really be anything else. There are no birthdays to wish. September's a very dry month for Star Wars birthdays. Yeah. Uh, but for, for Gotta Cast One, this is going to be one of those ones that makes you groan. But I also want you to take it seriously. Uh, it was announced this week that they're going to reboot the the seminal movie classic. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Face Off. And so, and so I want you to cast one and only one. Is it going to be Nicolas Cage or John Travolta? Both of these people are are cartoons of themselves uh-huh. and easy to write off as ridiculous and bad. Neither one of them is bad. Both no. of them are ridiculous. <laughs> that is true. But they're both they've both been in some phenomenal movies. One of them is an Academy Award winner and the other is a nominee. John Travolta would be an okay, and I don't ever really want to see one again, but he'd be an okay Gungan. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. A Gungan dance sequence. I it think kinda, it's great. It kind of works. The voice <laughs> style, the silliness of it. Sure. Um, the thing about John Travolta is when left to his own devices, he makes trash. Yes. He, like, he, he can't be put in charge of stuff. No. And he's had a real run of bad luck in the last couple of years at the box office and with the critics. But when he's working with a great filmmaker, he he makes great movies. And this was most recently true with The People vs. O.J. He was really good as Robert Shapiro in The People vs. O.J. That's the last good thing he did in his career. But he was as good as ever before. And he's a very good comedic actor. A very good comedic actor. And that has a place in Star Wars. No, I, I agree. I think he 100% has to be an alien. And I think he has to be kind of a silly alien. Sure. Oh, yeah. So if not a Gungan... Still a character played for comedic purposes on kind of a scummy world, probably, but not a scummy character. Can Nicolas Cage be taken seriously in Star Wars? Nicolas Cage... I think Nicolas Cage would be a killer, killer, killer droid. I think he would be an awesome droid. Yeah, that's a great answer in like an Alan Tudyk kind of way. I think he would be awesome in that. Sure, yeah. I think he could be... I could. He, he could be a main character on a Disney Plus show... Um, I think he's got a voice that would fit it perfectly. Yeah. Good droid, bad droid, but like a sidekick droid. I think he could kick ass in that. I'll I'll pick him. I'll cast him. I'll cast Nicolas Cage. I hadn't thought about droid and that is the right answer. Yeah, definitely for him. It just works. But honestly, I don't think he's so great into the spider verse. I, that's so true. And I thought that this was a good guy to cast one because your instinct is to go, Oh, give me a break. But no, no, no. I thought this was a good one. When you think both of them, like they, they both have still, I think something to offer. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, if it were either of those, I wouldn't be bummed. And I'd actually kind of be excited about the Nicholas Cage as a George thing. now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good idea. Anyway, pass it along. Let us know who would you rather cast, uh, John Travolta or Nicholas Cage. You want to be caught up to where we are in the podcast by next week. Watch the first two hours-ish of The Force Awakens. We only have one more 20 left. Oh, yeah, watch all of The Force okay, Awakens. F- finish The Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, send along your thoughts on this week's podcast or any other Star Wars content or theories you might have on the go right now at Recorder66 on Twitter or Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you.